friends and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia podcast. I can't bring you any better news I'm afraid this Monday other than the fact that I'm back. I had probably the worst week off I've ever had last week. Certainly though it wasn't as bad as the week at Ipswich Town and that's what we're going to break down now with my three friends. First of all I'm going to introduce Ross Halls. Ross how are you? I am good. I'm intrigued at why you had a bad week. Um my week was okay, just unfortunately watched town play very bad football. But yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yes, well, that is literally the idea of this podcast. I'll talk about my week in a minute. Andy Warren, I can see you. You're still wearing your pyjama bottoms and a very fetching New York Jets NFL hoodie. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Obviously, these pyjama bottoms went on after waking up, not not worn in, not worn in bed. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been a busy... Uh, a busy start to the day. Not had time to get dressed. You've been interviewing uh, Drizzy this morning. Yeah, the Messiah was beamed into my house via via uh, via Zoom. So uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to be in in Aaron Dryland's presence this morning. You're I did offer. I, I I did offer you last night. I said to you, didn't I, Mark? Do you want to do it? Do you want to speak to your boy and tell him that he's been dumped in favour of uh, <laughs> in favour of Ross Crane? But no, you uh, you're more of a do it by text kind of guy. That's fine. I'm very much do it by text. Uh, try and keep talking to a minimum. Um, so your week's already peaked, Hutchie. What about Stu? Stu, are you there? I can't actually see you, but I'm hoping I can hear you. I'm here, my friends. Yes. Excellent. How are you? I'm okay. Not too bad. Brilliant. As I just said, uh, last week was, was easily the worst week off I've ever had. Um, it was park furlough. Obviously in lockdown, there's nothing to do. My two great loves, the gym and the pub, were both shut. Um, so... It was it was a bit of purgatory. I've got to be honest, boys. Um, for trying to find things to do, there's a lot of walking, a lot of drinking, uh, and a lot of cooking stuff that's vastly unhealthy. Um, but as I say, I still think it was probably a better week than Paul Lambert had. So let's get into it, shall we? Um, we will try and amongst a shade in this podcast. Um, Stewie and Andy did a, a very very good podcast last Wednesday, which is an excellent listen. It was like a bleeding heart podcast. Ross, what's the term in wrestling? When characters um, break character and speak honestly, kayfabe. Hey, kayfabe. Kayfabe. That's what it's called. Is it? Yeah. Well, that's that's to me listening to. It, that's what it felt like because Stu and obviously Andy are usually extremely professional and polished, but on Wednesday it felt like they were just shooting from the hip and, and having a small breakdown at the same time, which I uh, which I felt while while listening to it. Um, and boys, obviously things have not got any better since because town. Who could have seen this coming? Lost at the weekend to Charlton, 2-0 at home. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the game and then obviously we'll get on to the, the bigger issues arising from it, as well as try and bring a smile to your face in, in other parts of the podcast. But shall we start with you, Hutchie, because I can see you. Ipswich lost 2-0 at home to Charlton. Again, they lost to a promotion rival. They can't beat a promotion rival. And it's getting the feeling of, of the last days of, of Rome, isn't it? It is. But before before we start talking about the football, can I just past comment on what what are you doing ross are you in are you in bed uh yeah you, you've kind of got you are lying down like you're like you're kate winslet on a like in the tight on the titanic in that kind of pose in that, kate, in, in winslet, kate, kate winslet never looked like that in a titanic i can't remember having her yes. a, a, having a full beard paint me like your french girls <laughs> you're in that pose aren't you you don't have like yeah. a million quids worth of blue diamonds around your neck but you um I'm, You're I'm very relaxed. Like, I'm like town at the moment. We are sinking like the Titanic. There you go. Oh, 
<laughs> very good anyway uh yeah the game um we didn't go into it with an awful lot of positivity um did we really on on the on the back of what happened on tuesday night there's a firm narrative here that the ipswich cannot beat the teams that are promotion contenders from league one and and that's that's how it proved again there was no there was no early goal in this one like there'd been in, in the whole games and the and the shrewsbury game but Ultimately, they were they were beaten by by a goal in either half. Both of them may be avoidable. Um, probably fair to say they were a little better than they were on on the on the Tuesday night against Hull. But there's a bit more intensity about them. A few more sights of goal, but they never really really troubled the Charlton goalkeeper and, and suffered two more injuries as well. So it's very much a very much a continuation of of a horrible theme. Which has been going on for for quite some time now. Stu, were you shocked to watch Town lose again? No, <laughs> no, it was it was, it was whole, wholly unpredictable. It was it was the whole game all over again. It was a, a so-called promotion rival, and I don't think we can really use that phrase anymore because Ipswich look anything but promotion contenders. That came to Portman Road and won quite comfortably without having to do anything too special. And that's what worries me. Um, I saw Mick Mills's comments about Hull kind of got picked up from one of the from one of the newspapers up in Hull um, at the weekend where Mick was kind of talking about Hull weren't anything special. And, they, they, and that kind of got used as a bit of a town legend's bizarre comments about Hull. I think Mick was using those comments kind of in a derogatory manner towards Ipswich rather than trying to knock Hull. And I thought exactly the same of Charlton. I, I didn't see no players were really jumping off the page for Hull and Charlton. I don't think I've seen anyone this season that I've looked at as a team or certain individuals that have gone, wow, there's something special. And Ips, and, the, and, they're, and they're still beating Ipswich. And um, combination of, of two things, two soft goals conceded and and not enough of a goal threat. Um, and then when the odd chance did come along, Ipswich weren't clinical enough either, either Norwood and, and Judge with the, with the two best chances in the first half. But when that goal went in, I just I don't have a belief that Ipswich were going to get back into it. And then certainly second and nothing second half. And uh, as soon as the second goal went in, even though there was still 20-odd minutes left to play, there was no, I had no belief. I don't think anyone watching it had any belief. And it certainly looked like the players had no belief as well. It's worrying times. Mm. Ross, you were pitch side. You uh, you summed it up in your Roscoe reacts um, immediately after the game, saying two very preventable goals. Um, depressing afternoon. Yeah, um, I felt very deflated, very deflated. Uh, you know, I wasn't angry. I think people will, probably would be angry. You know, of course, you know, you, you never want to lose. But I just felt... It was just predictable, really. An easy win for Charlton. And you just leave the ground thinking, you know, we didn't create anything. You know, yeah. we can't cross the ball. I don't know why we can't cross the ball. Um, but, yeah, just yeah, frustrating watch, really. And pitch side, once again, I think Stu or Andy said it last week, um, you know, the players aren't vocal at the moment. Like even Luke Chambers, you can't really hear him out there. I think he he's going to be frustrated. He's the skipper. He's, you know, a big, passionate guy. But... I feel the players, I don't know, they you know lost a lot of confidence and I just, I don't know where they're going to find it really. Mm. 
Hotchie, talk to, talk to us a little bit about the um, the team selection because obviously there are a few surprises on there. Chief amongst them, Liam Gibbs, because of because of injuries. What what did you make of the team? You, that one, is, you'll get into the point where it's starting to pick itself due to injuries. Um, Liam Liam Gibbs uh, in there in, in a three man midfield persisted with that three man midfield despite no longer having having senior bodies to. To really, to really play it, I think Emma Hughes is it a back and a neck injury, Stu? That's that's um, Emma's Emma's problem. That left a vacancy. Gibbs has looked good, decent in the in the cup games that we've seen so far. He had he had uh, some good ones. I think it was actually last season, wasn't it? That he had his best one that, that I can remember in the cup. Um, but he's he's a young man. He's a young boy making his debut at a time where. It's the strangest time to make a debut. He had some really, some good moments. He looks like the kind of lad to me that that knows exactly what he wants to do. He's confident. He's got ideas, and he wants to wants to play them. But at, at seventeen, at seventeen, there were times where he wasn't able to pull them off. And uh, I think Stu pointed out in his in his piece on Sunday morning that a, a moment that kind of showed off his day perfectly was it was it was try he was trying a little clever ball down the right side that that got taken away and Charlton burst down the other end, but he bust a gut to, to work his way all the way back to his own bio and snuff across there, which, which summed up his day, really no, no shortage of effort. There's definitely talent there. They really like him, but this isn't a situation for, for young men like that necessarily. I think, it, I think it's maybe a bit unfair that it's, that it's come to that at this stage. Mm. And obviously during the game, there were more injuries as well. Um, Stu, like, what on earth is going on? We've talked a lot about injuries and, and injuries, I suppose, after the long lockdown period and, and deconditioned professional athletes and stuff were inevitable. But I think you put something out essentially picking a, a fairly strong team or a very strong team um, available from the injured players. What on earth is going on? Is it, it, it can't simply just be bad luck, can it, that, that town are getting this many injuries? I don't think so. I think it's at a stage now where there needs to be a full deep root and branch review of of the training, of the strength and conditioning, of the physiotherapy, because this isn't just this season in isolation. Yes, the number of injuries have gone up across the country um, and we've seen opposition teams have injuries as well because of six months of nothing, players get deconditioned, you're chucking them into Saturday, Tuesday schedule. I get all of that. But this goes back before this season for Ipswich Town, doesn't it? You know, David McGoldrick, Adam Webster, both of whom seem to be made of glass during their time at Ipswich, have gone on to be sort of week in, week out men since they've left the club. Um, players that, how often does it happen that players are out supposedly for a few weeks and that turns into to months and months? What on earth is happening with Kane Vincent Young? We've, we've given up asking about the time frame surrounding him because the answers are so vague that you get from from Paul Lambert um you know James Norwood has had so many sort of stop start recoveries with with his progress and we understand that I think there's been disagreements along the way between player and club as to to how fit and ready he is at, at different stages so I don't think we can just sweep this one under the carpet as it's been a strange year and injuries were always going to happen um yes some of them Teddy Bishop can't be can't be legislated for. That was somebody sort of treading on the back of his ankle during a game. Contact injuries happen, of course. 
but so many of these are muscle injuries and um I mean, we don't know the ins and outs of it, but it's got to a stage now where there is just so many and it's happening so often. Surely there needs to be a proper for this. Mm. Actually, aside from the injuries, what are you making of the performance of, of, of ultimately the players on the pitch? Because they're the ones who've got to get it done over the white line, regardless of what's going on with Lambert. Um, and it seems to me that, that too many of them just aren't at it. I mean, obviously, Wolfenden was... was um, one of the great hopes before the season, but it sounds to me like he again he was he was at fault at the weekend. Mm. Uh, on Luke in particular, I think the last two games actually he's been to use a Paul Lambert expression away off it. Um, to me, it's and this applies to to the touchline as well. I, I, it feels like the fire's gone out, and that yeah. and that I, I don't know if it boils down to anything more than that. I don't know. It just the fire's gone out. People don't believe that they can win these games. There's no belief that they seemingly that they can get back in into these games. The fire's gone out of the intensity side of it as well. Um, the football's slow. The build-up's slow. It's ponderous. I, I wouldn't go much further than just to say that I feel like the fire's the fire's just gone out of it all, and that includes Paul Lambert on the touchline because he. Do you remember the man that kind of bounced into this club in October and November of, of 2018? He he was. He was like a madman on the touchline, wearing his Hugo Boss jumper, um, chucking his coat on the floor. and There was so much drive and so much passion in there. It, 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 I know you asked about the players, Mark, but I think Lambert exemplifies it to me that, that something's gone out. Some flame has gone out and it, mm. I don't know how you ignite it again. Mm. Well, obviously, we'll come on to Lambert in a minute, but... <laughs> <laughs> Town started this season well. There's, there's, there can be no argument about that, and then it's all gone wrong again. So, Stu, is there any? Uh, can we pinpoint that on anything? Are the are the? Is it just mental fragility? Are there just so many issues behind the scenes with the club that they can't, it's just a basket case? But, what do you reckon? God, how long have we got? I mean, I, I feel <laughs> like I'm going round and round and round in circles with the same old debates, and I have done for years, and it's. It's grinding me down. It's grinding everybody down. And, you know, we can go, we haven't got the time to go into the, the, the bigger picture stuff. We've talked about mm. Marcus Evans, not, is he spending enough? Can he spend more? Is he, to put the money to one side, is he making good decisions? No, he's not. So that's, that's, you know, but then if you say to Marcus, sell up, who's going to buy? He said before, there's not a queue of people banging down the door to, to take this club off of his hands. So that's the ownership structure. Then you can get into, the manager who, as Andy says, it, it feels like a bit of fight's gone out of him. You, I've seen it before with, with a cycle of managers. You can tell when it's getting into end-game territory. And he looked he looked a bit beaten and broken after the game on, on uh, Saturday. But, and you mentioned it there, I do think the players get off quite lightly because all the focus is always on either the manager or the owner. Mm. Yes, the injuries have been severe and lengthy, and they're the best players you could probably get. You know, most of them would would a lot of those injured players would would get into the strongest eleven. But I still looked at that team on Saturday, and you go through it, and you go Wolfenden, Dazelle, both been you know linked to Premier League clubs. Um, Ward, Chambers, experienced pros, played at a higher level. Um, 
Alan Judge was an international player last season. Keenan Bennett went to go to a Bundesliga club from Tottenham for more than a million pounds as, as a young player. You could go through that whole team. James Norwood, club, everyone in League One wanted him after all those goals for Tranmere. Mm. So it's not a weak team. It's not a team of babies. And yes, Charlton had some experience in that team, but they had no recognised senior centre. They had Darren Prattley, a veteran midfielder who looked like a player playing out of position to me, and Chris Gunter, a right-back, playing at centre-half. They chipped four goals against Burton in, in midweek and not looked particularly good to be, to be uh, by all accounts. So mm. you can we can talk about the manager and we will talk about the manager, but these players need to step up a little bit. And this isn't... This inability to beat the rivals, the, the so-called better teams in the division, hasn't just suddenly happened because of the injuries. It goes back to last season. It's happened this season. It's not good enough. You mentioned mm. Prattley there, Stu. He highlighted it all to me. Yes, he's a, he's we know him best as an attacking midfielder, don't we, really? And he's dropped back and back and back as the years have gone on. But how loud was he? It's all we could hear, wasn't it? Darren Prattley just talking people through the game and telling people, get back here, get back here, get back here. You're there, your man, your shoulder. That's, that's Little not things in- as well, wasn't it? He was telling them to get on. For, every time there was a free kick, he was barking it at someone to stand on it, stop them taking it early. All those little dark arts and things like that that Ipswich don't seem to be doing as well. You know, the little bits of... Those little things off the ball that people don't see—it's all those sort of things that Ipswich aren't aren't doing very well. There was a there was a passage of play, and I think you highlighted it during the game. A couple of this happened a couple of times that Ipswich had the ball on halfway. I think one point it was a free kick on the halfway line. They turned, they played it backwards, then someone else played it backwards again. So they'd work the ball all the way back from the halfway line to the goalkeeper, who ultimately tried to punt a long ball towards the head of Alan Judge on the touchline and both times the ball ended up drifting out of play mm. um, for an opposition throw-in and that, that sums up switch up at the minute. Mm. I don't want to spend too much longer talking about the game because obviously it was grimly predictable um, and it was another defeat and there's there's a lot more kind of topics I want to get into in, in depth today. But uh, the notes from you, Roscoe, have you got anything else to add from your, your, your perch on the sideline? Uh... Not really, just the two goals are very soft. I think they're very preventable goals, but yeah, just didn't create anything. And I think we could have played all day long and we wouldn't have scored. Yeah. That's just, that is pretty much town currently. The last few games have just been there. Could be there all day, you know, crossing the ball in or trying to shoot. Like Alan Judge took a lot of shots, but just couldn't. Yeah, yeah, just a frustrating afternoon. Yeah. Boys, Hutchie, Stewie, have you got anything else you want to add? Um, I, th- I think those wide areas up front is, is a is a problem at the moment. I think Keenan Bennett's flatters to deceive. He's got he, he takes people on, he's got loads of step overs, he's quite he's quite fun and skillful to watch, but his end product was was badly lacking and his decision making and his positioning and things like that weren't there. Alan Judge, I don't think anyone I know he's become the seems to have become the sort of the ultimate scapegoat and the poster boy for senior players underperforming at the moment and and he is massively but I don't think you can ever accuse him of of going missing he always wants the ball he continues to look for the ball but something's not there with Alan Judge in terms of that that final delivery um at the moment as well is a lot of huff and puff from him um Wolfenden got bossed by an EK if I think if uh, if Toto had had the game that 
Luke Wolfenden had had. He'd have got absolute pelters time and again. And EK mm. beat him in the air to flick-ons. I was surprised that they didn't switch the two centre-halves and get Toto man-marking him, to be quite honest. Um, Norwood going off was a blow, definitely, because I thought he'd, he'd look lively in his in his couple of um, comeback performances. But that said, your man Aaron Dryan, and I thought, I thought he... Um, he linked it all up together quite nicely. I thought they looked like a more joined-up team when he comes on. When he came on, I think he, um, I think he kind of knits the midfield and the attack together quite nicely. The saviour. Never have we needed him more. Hutchie, look at your little that? face. Look at your little face <laughs> grinning away. Just when Stu mentioned that, yeah, I, I do agree with Dryan with with his point on Dryan and in terms of the link play, but he, I know we're probably going to get onto him maybe a bit more later when we talk about Oxford. But yeah, his link play is really good. It does bring others into the game. But I think he he needs to start being a real goal threat because if those wide areas aren't bringing the goal threat, there's no Bishop in there. James Norwood has looked like the only route to goal in the last two games. And um, for all the link-up play in the world, you need someone that's going to score and... That's what that's what Drynan needs to prove now, if indeed it is him that, that gets the chance. I thought it was interesting that he was the one called from called for from the bench in the, on a bench that's got Drynan, Caden Jackson, and Ollie Hawkins on there. Um, to turn to to Drynan first is a uh, is a big is a big statement, I guess, from Lambert. Although post match post match, I found it a little odd that the reasoning for that is that he needed the minutes. Um, the reason for bringing for bringing Drynan on ahead of the others is that he needed the minutes, and um, that that worried me a little bit because you you don't bring on players in the first half to be your only striker if they if they're the, because they need the minutes. That was a yeah that that was a bit of a worry. Just continuing the theme of odd odd things that Lambert's saying at the moment, but let, let, let's draw a line under the match there. And it's another another defeat to promotion rival, grimly predictable, etc. And obviously, there's, there's a lot of issues we want to discuss. But as part of the the bigger Lambert issue, Hutchie, there was some some breaking news this morning, which you you broke as an exclusive on our website. Um, departure from the Portman Road coaching team. Yeah. Um... Eagle-eyed viewers of warm-ups, which I believe you can watch on iFollow, um, will have noticed there's, there's been no Jim Henry there, the, the big Scottish former judo champion, um, who normally is the head of fitness. I think his job title is actually head of athletic performance and sports science, but he's a fitness coach. Yeah, I believe that he's he's gone. Both Stu and I have heard from, from people um, regarding that one. Um, and uh, I think it's the, the result of some some differences of opinion over quite quite some period. Um, not sure entirely of the details, obviously, of, of those differences of opinion, but but they've been there and it's led to uh, led to a departure. He came in with with Paul in in 2018. He'd worked with he'd worked with Lambert at Stoke previously and was also in in the same job at Celtic when 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 Paul was a player at at Celtic. So he's someone that he's known for a long time. Um, and uh, yeah. They've uh, they've gone their they've gone their separate ways. Mm. Start of things falling apart. Do you think in terms of when you you start to see people leave like that? I think it's an, yeah. it's another sign of. I think it's in isolation. You you it might be a, it might just be something in isolation. But the, the fact that and then you've got Jimmy Walker tweeting again at the weekend saying about 
I'll keep my mouth I'll keep my mouth shut this time you know I'll, I'll just go along with the we go again mm. um cliches and stuff because obviously he was you know he tweeted the other week about if we don't make the top four we may as well pack it all in and it's a very very average league I'm sure those comments have probably not gone down too well behind the scenes amongst Lambert and Co so you, you wonder if that there's a bit of unrest there Henry potentially to me it's just they're all little incremental signs that all is not well at this football club at the moment and that's um that's translating onto the football pitch for sure mm. right let's tackle the Lambert issue then I know you boys last week um as part of your cafebi discussion if that's if that's how you call it Ross <laughs> um you said that uh, you, uh, Stewie, you read out a comment from Steve Mellon, who's one of our one of the KOA Army, one of the more positive members of the KOA Army, saying that he thought um, the time was was coming up for Lambert. And I've, I just want to start this section with a comment from Sindre Eliasson, who is, as far as I'm aware, the most positive member of the KOA Army, very very positive indeed. And he says, "I backed Jewel to the end. I have never called for a manager's head. That changed on Tuesday night, sadly." Uh, Avga, which I'm afraid I, I don't speak uh, Norwegian. Um, do you know what I mean, Suchi? A-V-G-A? Uh, no, I do not. I'm hoping it's not a swear word. But anyway, m- my point is that the, the, the tide definitely seems to have turned, um, even from among the most positive of Ipswich Town fans. Um, and we, we didn't get a chance to talk about um, the press conference from Friday, Stewie, uh, where you spoke to, to Lambert and put to him, or the question was put to him about singling out the young players for, for criticism. Um, and, and he says basically this is because the senior players are easy targets, which I, I thought was bizarre. Uh, and interestingly, the Brett McGavin comments, which obviously happened when I was off, um, I tweeted about man management that was for a young player. And Luke Wolfenden actually liked to reply to one of the tweets, which said that the way he is handling the young players is not working, which again, I thought was was quite an insight into, into what's going on. Um what 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 do you what do you make of of, of the whole Lambert issue? First of all, can any of you see Lambert turning this around? Yes or no, Hutchie? I think we made it quite clear on the last one that n- n- no, it's 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 yeah. a hell of a long way to get it turned around, isn't it? Uh, you very very rarely do you do you see managers completely turn. There's two issues here. There's there's the there's the on the pitch side of things, and then there's the feeling of supporters towards him. Um, mm. Obviously, so social media is our gauge at the moment in, in this different world. Um, I would argue there's probably it's probably a, a fair, almost entirely united front on social media, at believing that it's probably not going to end positively, um, and then the rest of the. The fans probably have drifted away maybe a little bit and have switched off from it a little bit more. So in terms of that side of things, you don't see managers turn that around particularly often. And then on the pitch, it's really it's really difficult to see it happen because there's so much evidence has kind of built up now over the course of a long time. Um, yeah. Like, like Stu said, this isn't a new... These aren't new issues. These are, these are last November's issues that are still... Mm. Still causing them problems a year later. So um, sorry to answer your question a lot longer than you probably wanted, but um, no, that's all right. I just I just need to give the listeners a, a bit of a, a glimpse. We're, we're doing this on video, uh, and literally all three of the boys have got their head in their hands <laughs> as we talk about this. Stewie looks like he wants to 
throw something out a window at someone um, in a damaging way. Um, Stuart, I thought it was interesting this morning, Terry Hunt, former editor of the, uh, the East Anglian Daily Times and Ipswich Star, spoke of his his dealings with Marcus Evans in the past um, uh, and, and his approach to managers. And he said, from his experience with Marcus, he wouldn't be surprised if Paul Lambert is still here at the end of the season. Agree or disagree? I'm not sure about that. As I, as I said in the previous pod, yes, Marcus has made it very clear that he wants to be patient with managers, that he wants to honour the club's tradition of giving managers time and not being a sacking club. Um, but I think he's also shown that um, when the stakes are high and a, and a big decision needs to be made, that he will be ruthless. Um, he showed that with, with Paul Hurst. Um, I think he'll have probably learned some lessons from the way that the Mick McCarthy saga was allowed to, to drag out and some ill feeling was allowed to fester for too long. I don't think they, they handled that situation particularly well. So, um, uh, no, I can't, I, it all depends on what happens in these next few weeks, but I'd be amazed if, uh, if feelers aren't being put out and, um, they're at least uh, preparing for, for the next stage of this. Because in answer to the question that you posed to Andy, no, no, I can't see this turning. Paul's, Paul's on to his third life now, really, and it's getting used up. He, uh, he had a chance to keep them up, didn't happen. Had a chance to get them up last season. That's failed miserably. And we kept sort of the reset button and giving him another chance. And I'm afraid you're into last, last chance territory now. And uh, mm. it's happening all over again. With that in mind, given what happened at Sunderland last night, Phil Parkinson got the old uh, Spanish archer the elbow. Um, does that make does that make the pressure on town to do things sooner rather than later greater? Do you reckon, Ross? Because obviously Sunderland Ipswich very similar level of clubs in League One. Sunderland now going to be looking for a manager. They've been competing with town for players. Um, what do you make? Because obviously Sunderland are going to be looking for a name, a big name in League One. Uh, as town will be if, if Lambert does indeed end up going. Do, do you think that makes it, it more imperative for town to, to pull the trigger sooner? Yeah, before it's too late, before we're... Because some people go, we're still in the top six, you know, we're still in the mix. I'm saying that very slowly there because, <laughs> uh, yeah, not not the current form. Um, but, you know, Sunderland is just a mess, really. Um, but mm. it, it seems now we're in a mess as well. So... You know, I just don't want us to leave it too late, and all the you know good managers are gone because, you know, if you know the the managers that we want, one of them could go to Sunderland, and then I'm sure there'll be other clubs could be sacking managers. And if we still got Paul Lambert here until December, January time, all those good managers could be gone. We could be getting, I don't know who's available, someone who's probably we don't want who's available, and they were in the same scenario again. Isn't it? It seems fate that Ipswich are going to be competing potentially for the same managers as Sunderland, considering they spent the entirety of the drawn-out summer transfer window trying to sign the same players as well. Um, I do wonder if this this will have an impact on what Marcus is thinking, because no doubt Sunderland will be shopping in the same market as Ipswich for for managers, if it came down to that. Um, I... (laughs) I imagine Paul Cook will, will have a will be uh, up there in terms of managers that Sunderland are looking at. Um, so Ipswich have got to think if if you know he's a man that's got plenty of promotions on his CV. He took took Wigan up, up from this level. They would have Wigan would have finished mid table in the Championship 
last season if it wasn't for uh, the points deduction. So he feels like a manager that would be at the top end of Ipswich's reach at present. Um, and as, as Ross says, if, if he if he goes, if Sunderland beat Ipswich to someone like that and Ipswich a delay too long, then uh, you, there might not be those same level of managers available because I see people mentioning people have gone, well, what about Eddie Howell and Eddie Howell and <laughs> Nigel Pearson and people like that? And uh, that makes me laugh because let's be realistic about where Ipswich are at at the moment. Um, I still think the name of Ipswich Town will 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 mean something to people, um, but not to that level. You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a tier of managers here that Ipswich are going to be looking at and it's not going to be that level for sure. Hotchie, tease and tantalise me. Give me some names that you reckon Town might be might be considering in, in the long term. Obviously, Paul Cook, you mentioned there. The Cowley brothers would surely have to be in there as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, you'd imagine they'd at least come into consideration. And I'm, I'm sure both, um, I'm certain, Paul Cook and and Danny Cowley and, and his brother Nicky would be interested in the in the job um, should it become available. I'm sure they would be. Um, my hope with Sunderland is that there's a there's kind of an ongoing takeover there potentially with um, a, a rich young French businessman who uh, who may potentially fancy a flashy appointment and um, <laughs> and leave Ipswich with a, with a run of things. But we've seen. We've seen how Marcus works before. Paul, Paul Hurst was sacked the, the day after they lost at they lost at um, at Leeds a couple of years ago, and within twenty four hours or so of him being sacked, Paul Lambert was in. But Marcus works behind the scenes. Um, I feel sure that he would have started putting those feelers out already. Mm. Um, yeah, and and he would be. He would be fully aware of what's going on at Sunderland as well, I would imagine. Um, if if they are indeed going for the similar similar candidates, he'd be kept a, kept abreast of that. And um, so, yeah, maybe maybe it might maybe it might speed up his speed up his thinking. But the, the way we're talking about this, it, it feels so inevitable, doesn't it? That it yeah that it's going to happen um, at yeah. some point. But but yeah, Sunderland might have an impact. I think I don't think Marcus is suddenly going to be. I'd be very surprised if he was suddenly like, oh, Sunderland have appointed, oh, that's a shame. I was going to go for them in a few weeks. I, I think I think he will be aware of what is going on at Sunderland. Yeah. People oh, in football what? talk, agents, third parties, contact third parties. It's all very, um, everybody knows which managers want what jobs behind the scenes and who's available and uh, p- people people know who's, uh, who's within reach and, uh, you know, Marcus will be well aware. You know, it's not him picking up the phone directly, but there'll there'll be lots of agents and third party people all feeding stuff back up a chain subtly. Um, they'll be well aware of the picture out there. Yeah, boys, this is this is this is so depressing. I don't know how on earth we've we've got once again we're back at this point with it's which town. It feels like I mean Stewie and and, and myself have been intrinsically linked since I became sportsman. So back in two thousand eleven and. And Stu was my first appointment. Um, but it just seems to be the same thing over and over, doesn't it, Stu? We've got this cycle for Ipswich Town that we go through where there's a, there's a bit of hope, then it all goes to shit, and then you either want a young, thrusting manager with new ideas, Hurst, which fell apart, and then you want an old hand at the tiller, McCarthy, Jewel, Lambert, which then falls apart. And it just feels like we're on this 
this constant cycle, doesn't it, Stuart? You, you referred to it as purgatory in your Stuart says this week, and that is genuinely what it feels like. When is it ever going to get better? I don't know what I've done in a previous life to deserve this, <laughs> but I, I, was, I was joking to, with Brenna Woolley about it. He, he started doing the commentary um, in the season after relegation, so he's mm. always kind of felt like the curse. But I did say to him, at least you got some decent football under Joe Royal for a little while, and there was a few sort of um, flirtations with with sort of pushing for promotion in the championship. I've come along in t- 2011, and there's just been nothing. It's just been so many brief false dawns that you think, oh, Chopra and Bullard, that's a, that's a decent little team being put together. No, that all that all fell apart. And, um, you know, there was, a, there was a couple of decent years under Mick turned things around and Miracle Mick and they get into the top six. And, and then there was the slow, steady, drawn-out stagnation that followed after that. And, mm. you know, hashtag a new era under Paul Hurst. That didn't work. And now we're going through <laughs> it all again with Paul Lambert. And so I might not be an Ipswich Town fan in the traditional sense of the word, but trust me, I feel every bit of frustration that that uh, that you all are out there because we're trekking up and down the motorway. We'll be off to Plymouth next weekend. We're covering them home and away. We're thinking about them every day. We're fully invested in this football club. And uh, it hurts. It hurts to see that it just... just not, It's just death by a thousand cuts. As, you know, other clubs have had these kind of shock administration out of nowhere and what happened to Wigan last season and there's been these high profile crises at, at various other clubs up and down the land Ipswich's kind of decline has kind of gone under the radar slightly because it's just been slow and steady and that's what's made it worse it's like pulling off a plaster really really slowly and it, and it hurting it's um that's what it feels like to me I, I mm. don't know if I'm articulating it particularly well but it's um it grinds you down yeah. How many? How many of those thousand cuts have been cut? How many? How many have there been? Because we've been talking about death by a thousand cuts for quite some time. That mm. it depends what you mean by death as well. It, it, <laughs> I mean there are different levels of death, aren't there? Without getting too meta, meta- <laughs> about it, but, um, I always thought it's quite quite telling that when you put Ipswich Town into the Google search engine, one of the most asked questions is what happened to Ipswich Town. <laughs> which uh, for people kind of casuals coming in from outside that must be a, you look at this 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 team that were a power in the 80s and and you know winning UEFA cups and and, and FA cups and now they they're languishing in league 1 oh, okay they're sixth but for Ipswich town that is languishing they sh- they 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 should be doing so much better and it, it is so 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 fucking frustrating having to talk about this again um hopefully you can feel at home that mm. i mean it's, it's just so annoying. Um, <laughs> boys, boys let, let's talk about something else, which is uh, which is cheery, but people will want us to talk about it. Um, and it all, again, relates back to the Lambert issue. Our friend Phil Hamm um, and the ban, which which came out at the weekend, it obviously happened a little while ago. Um, Yet yeah, it, it kind of came out in a, in a blaze of glory at the weekend through Mark Murphy. Um what 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 can you say about that? I'll start with you, Hutchie. Phil Ham, he's not been banned from games. He's been banned from press conferences. Um, what what can you say? Uh, I think it's I I think it's just a real sign of of a of a manager feeling feeling some pressure. Um, 
I've never known one of these bans result in anything good being the eventual outcome for a football club. Um, mm. I've seen them elsewhere. We were banned when I when I was a reporter working in Swindon. We were banned for a little period of time for something as minor as as uh, as Phil's transgression here. Um, it doesn't doesn't particularly end well for football clubs. I don't think it's a very good look hmm. for football clubs, and um, it's a sign of a sign of in in this case it has very much come directly from from the manager, and uh, yeah, I think it's just a just a sign of of him feeling feeling some pressure. Stewie, thoughts? Uh, one word: paranoia. It's a word I've used quite a bit, and I've felt a sense of paranoia running through the core of the club for a number of months now. Um, I'm told that since the banner was put up at the training ground, they've now got 24-hour security up there as a result of that. Um, Lambert uh, pushed hard for the club to put up a a fence all around the training ground last season at the cost of £100,000. Uh, and I'm told that a big part of that was when it was all the uh, Bielsa Spygate stuff surrounding Derby. Is that a good use of £100,000 for Ipswich Town at this mm. moment in time? Not sure about that. You'll remember on a previous podcast, uh, we talked about the um, the squad photo story that we did. Uh, and Stuart Taylor, I thought, was a a fairly sizable overreaction to, to that in the press conference afterwards. And then there was a private chat between myself and, and Stuart afterwards, where I was asked continually, what, you know, who are your sources? Where are you getting stuff from? And diplomatically had to kind of say that that's, that's not how it works with our profession. And, you know, that, that conversation was, was professional and, and um, we parted on good terms there, but, you know, a month later, Stuart Taylor is is hooking Phil Ham after the game to talk about you know who's leaking this information. Um, I think they're deluded if they think stuff in this modern day and age like Teams gets out there. Um, if it doesn't work its way onto TWTD forum, there are, you can't stop it happening on Twitter and social media. Um, the fact that the, the, their first thought is to try and speak to the media about where stuff comes from rather than looking in house. Um, is a concern. There are bigger issues that they need to be spending their time and thoughts on than um, than worrying about stuff like that. And as as Andy said, there it's, it's just another sign of uh, of a management team under pressure. To me, mm. can we call this officially Hamgate? If you like, <laughs> I, I feel I I feel like there should be better available puns with given the nature of. Um... Given the nature of Mr. Ham's last name, something Porky. Something uh, Porky's going on. Yeah. Telling Porkies. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, then, boys, uh, I want to take a few a few thoughts from the the KOA Army, and then we'll move on to something hopefully a little bit lighter before returning to uh, to Oxford, and then the ultimate lightness at the end of the pod, which is the strike. Um, few thoughts then. Luke Penning uh, says, it's my birthday today, 30th. Happy birthday, Luke. He says, Sunderland have sacked their manager with a better win percentage than Lambert's. I've not seen a more one-sided case for Lambert's job from fans before. Positivity only lasts for so long. Harvey Davis, our friend of the show, Sweet Welsh Prince, not sure what to even say anymore. I'm not angry, just deflated. That is a worrying sign as well when people go beyond anger, just into apathy and and kind of just a, a feeling of inevitability. 
why we haven't made a change yet, staggering. It will only get more toxic. Oxford will win on Tuesday. We should just get rid of the football chat this week and fill a podcast with Mark's big question and strike. Um, Mouth11 says, does anyone know if there's a break clause in Lambert's contract? It has to be the only thing keeping him in a job right now. Has any club had such a slow death of ours? 20 years of misery with no sign of light at the end of the tunnel. Our American friend Lib says, Lambert out. Been reluctant to call for his head, but clearly it's time. It's clear this team will never accomplish anything with him at the helm. Injuries keep piling up as well. For someone who likes to be positive, I don't even see us making the top 10 again at this point. Jezza says, I'd like to hear your thoughts, your honest thoughts with the filters off. Hopefully, Jezza, you feel like you're getting that today. Nigel G wants to know about preferred choice of manager. We've talked about that, who, who might be available. Sam Chapman, surely now it's when, not if. Banning journalists is not the, the club I grew up with and love behave. Mr. Patrick and Mr. John would be ashamed of it. Um, and so many on, on a similar theme, boys. Um, I can't see anyone on, on here saying, ah, you know what, Lambert will turn it around, give him, give him a bit more time. It feels like it has kind of properly turned. And when you've got super positive people like Sindre and, and Steve Mellon saying that it's time it's time to go, um, it, is, it is starting to feel inevitable. Mm. Boys, let, let's do well, – uh, Thanks. first of all, thanks for so many of these. Um, I'll, try and, I'll try and drop a few more in. We've had loads, though, so I, I won't be able to read all of them out. But, boys, let's move on to something a little bit lighter. Um, I say lighter because I don't want anyone listening to this in the car to just feel like they want to drive <laughs> free. <laughs> so let, let's do a Mark's big question. Mark's big question. Question. Is Ross still with us, by the way? Because he looks like he's asleep on mine. I'm here. <laughs> You're just frozen <laughs> asleep. Very telling. Um, boys, it's Mark's Big Question time, and I want to theme it this week, given everything that's going on. And the question for you all this week is, tell me about a time where you've utterly failed at something. I'll, I'll start because it's, it's inspired by my experience of water skiing on honeymoon. Um, I always fancied myself as an all-round athlete, you know, I can do anything really physical I turn my mind to. So water skiing surely can be can be no problem at all. It looks dead easy. People, so I saw people kind of flying around the beach doing that. I thought, yeah, piece of piss that. I can do that. No problem at all. Um, so first of all, they, they, they strap. I don't know if any of you have done water skiing before, but first of all, they strap feel like a pair of logs to your feet uh, and just jump you in the water. And you have to kind of, you sort of turtle turned over time as you try and swim towards the boat. And then, for the at the start they don't just give you the the cord out the back of the boat and pull you. you you they have a little thing attached to the boat which you hold on to so you can try and get your form and they kind of drag you along um and there's a coach kind of telling you what to do but i just could not do it try as i might the logs kept crossing over i kept wiping out um and it was probably one of the most humiliating experiences of my life because everyone else on the course managed to move past that pretty quickly uh, but in the end the teacher just gave up on me and he said, he said in Mauritian, Mauritian broken English, he said, oh, this is a waste of time, essentially. Um, <laughs> just just grab onto the pole and we'll drag you in. <laughs> and that's basically what he did. So I had to hold onto this pole with the, 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 the water skis dragging uselessly behind me. And they dragged me in and basically just dumped me on the beach in front of everyone to see that this, my friend, is the ultimate failure of a, of a man trying to water ski. Uh, and it's, it is, honestly, one of the, the biggest failures and embarrassments of my life um 
Now, you boys obviously, uh, you don't fail at much. But is there anything that you that you can remember failing completely at? Climbing walls, time yeah. and time and again. I think my I think my limbs are too short to handle my body weight on climbing walls. Can't do it. How many times have you tried climbing walls? Loads, loads of times. Loads yeah. of times. I was a very diligent scout when I was younger. Oh, of course. Always yeah. trying to always, always trying to make you climb stuff. Couldn't do it. Still can't do it. Probably even less able to do it now. I'm, I'm, my limbs are my limbs are too short. So are you saying the climbing walls are um, are prejudiced against against the the kind of lesser of stature of us? I think so. I think um, I think it, I think if I was that way inclined, I could have could have forced some kind of civil issue there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I cho- I chose not to, but yeah, I'm a failure. I can't climb stuff. Not very good. I can vault. I can vault a fence. Uh, that's as good as I'm going to get. Not designed to climb. Okay, so my water skiing for me, climbing for Hutchie, Roscoe, something you failed at. Life. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> the way this podcast is going, let's just get really deep. Yeah, mate, uh, mate, you're winning at life. You're currently yeah. lying in bed yeah. record, recording a podcast. Yeah. And you that... appear to have your hand down your trousers, which I'm going <laughs> to try, try, try and overlook. But you are, just, just a reminder, Ross, that you're lying in bed, hand down trousers, getting paid to do this as we speak. But what have you failed at? Um, well, this is recently trying to be romantic. And, oh. uh, yeah. You haven't proposed again, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's, that's failed many times. But uh, no, I was trying to, you know, make a nice romantic meal and the meal was not good. As you know, I wanted to be a chef when I was 15, but I didn't want to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was trying to be romantic for, for my girlfriend and yeah, the meal was not very good. What did you cook? So I was doing some nice chicken, some nice sauce, homemade potato wedges, yeah. some nice salad. But um, yeah, the chicken was dry and the <laughs> potato wedges were burnt. So <laughs> did she? Did she try and do the, the polite thing? Where she went, yeah, oh, this is lovely. It's so nice. Or did she just oh, go? No, no, no. She just said that was shit. <laughs> so we actually didn't eat it in the end. So we had to uh, get a takeaway. So there you go. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. Stewie, be honest with us. Be candid. What have you in your hitherto perfect life failed at you a couple of your answers have, have um jogged my memory on some things me and water do not mix particularly well um i'm a terrible swimmer and i've also failed at the, the water skiing thing i got invited to center parks once to do a feature on when they they brought in like um water skiing around their indoor lake where you basically yeah. get pulled around by sort of a zip wire yeah. and i i just constantly was just Dragged face first, eating mouthfuls of water. Uh, I've tried the surfing simulators, rubbish at those as well. Um, and then on the romantic theme, um, I, I failed big time. And I, I, I thought I'd come up with the perfect sort of first anniversary um, day out, which was kind of based around the theme of our honeymoon the previous year, where we'd, we'd been to America and we'd done whitewater rafting and we'd been on trains across uh, the states and stuff like that so I, I booked what I thought was going to kind of be the British version of that which involved going on a steam train in Norfolk and then and then sort of hiring canoes on the Norfolk broads and in my mind and then we uh, in my mind it was going to be amazing um, and it turned out the steam train was like a miniature children's steam train <laughs> that I hadn't quite 
quite seen uh, on the website. So that didn't go down too well. And then and then we were in a couple of these little one man kayak things going down the broads in the pissing rain. And it was a it was a pretty miserable day all round. But you've, I mean, your missus has got to appreciate the effort, surely. That's that's taken a bit of effort to sort out. You'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> now then, boys, from failure to to more thoughts from the, the carry army, and then we'll move on to Oxford. Um, thought it was important that we had that that short break for levity, but let's get back into uh, into the misery, shall we? Um, Rob Hughes says, by all accounts, Chamber had influence over the dismissal of Hurst. Is Marcus Evans still speaking to him directly? Chambers has seemed out of sorts of late, so any report from him can't be good. Things must be, be bad behind the scenes. The bottoms have fallen out of HMS ITFC. So rapidly, Sheepy says, I can't see us improving anytime soon under Lambert. Everyone seems to be feeling the same. and Everyone is sick of disappointment season after season. And then he asked about um, who we'd like to come in and, and ask for more nonsense from the pod. The strike is still to come. Keep tuning in, Sheepy. Um, a lot of them are so similar on theme. Ben Diaf, Ben Death, whatever. I'm not sure we, have a, we as a fan base have ever been so low or had a feel of such disconnect with the club. Surely we get to a point where things can only get better. We've been saying that for so long, though, boys, haven't we? Um, David Flisher, any manager you can think of, managed to turn things around once they've lost the fans. I can only think of times where fans were sceptical about the appointment. Given Evans will be well aware of the financial implications of staying down. Realistically, how long has he got? How I mean, obviously, we've talked about the inevitability of this, boys. But do you, are you able to kind of finger on how long Lambert might have left to turn things around? Is it just how long is a piece of string? Does does the fact that fans aren't in the in the ground at the moment help Lambert in a way because you haven't got that that booing that you see? I'm not sure it's gonna. It might. I think it might have helped him previously. I think. It's maybe maybe helped it get this far. I, I'm not sure if Ipswich would have found a a way back into that Shrewsbury game, for example, had had fans been in the ground. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know. In terms of a time scale, not. It's really hard to say. It's on. It's on one man, isn't it? This is on. This mm. is on Marcus Evans. Um, but like Stu said earlier, when you get the feeling that when he acts, he's going to act quickly um and i think uh, i think it will happen as soon as he's made his decision it's really hard to to put any kind of time scale on it for me it feel it feels it feels like it's coming mm. um and you maybe maybe you look at the fact that there's a tuesday game at oxford tomorrow um followed by a saturday game followed by a blank a blank week which might represent an opportunity. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really hard to put a time on time scale on it because it is the decision of one man. But it doesn't it doesn't feel too far away in my in my gut. Hmm. Which is which is uh, where everything happens. <laughs> All the good stuff happens. <laughs> uh, Blue shirt nineteen seventy nine says during the live pod carry live two is met with ridicule when I suggested Town in their current state would finish twelfth to fourteenth. What are your thoughts now? Yeah, at the time, obviously, we were, we were trying to be positive and new season, new feelings that things are going to turn around. And uh, it was a disappointing prediction, Blue Shirt. But certainly if things are uh, heading the way they are at the moment without changing, you get the feeling that 12th to 14th is perhaps where they, they might end up. And we've also had a question from the Jeremy Paxman of the Calais Army, Tom Rumsey, who says, do you see this changing? If not, will you call for change? If not, why not? 
Um, and this comes to something I want to talk about a little bit because we had we had um, quite a few people yesterday, and I feel few boys for this because it makes a it makes everything so much harder and more depressing in life when the the club that you follow for a living on aren't doing very well. Everything is down. Our web views are down. The paper sales go down. Every we we just desperately want a winning team, and we want to support a winning team. And obviously, then you guys get start getting stuff on social media saying why why don't you write this and why don't you ask the real questions and stuff like that but i noticed yesterday people were, were sharing with us and certainly I'm, I'm assuming with you um that what you were writing wasn't tough enough and linking to a birmingham mail um editorial piece calling for lambert to go when he was at villa um i think in terms of peek behind the curtain side of things it's important from our from our point of view to stress that although we have a lot of editorial freedom to write what we like when it comes to the voice of the paper, i.e. the paper calling for a manager to go, that decision is ultimately made above our heads. Um, that's one for the editor and, and the editorial directors to discuss. Uh, and, and then ultimately, um, they're the ones who decide the voice of the, voice of the paper. Um, obviously, it's happened before with, with uh, Magilton, which turned out so well, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> where, where were town when Magilton left? They were, they were eighth in the championship, weren't they? Um, and had just beaten Norwich. Um, and that was that was a decision made by Terry Hunt, who's written about that since um, and why why he did it. Terry Hunt was editor at the time, uh, and there were there were other times I think towards the end of Mick's reign where where we put out polls about is it time for Mick to go, etc. All that kind of stuff generally comes at that level from from the editor. Um, so it, it's up to kind of those on higher pay grades than us to make that sort of call, and that's ultimately not not our decision. Although as I say, we do have quite a lot of the editorial freedom. Um, to write what we want to write. Um, the other thing, of course, is <laughs> there's a question from Steve Cook. Are the club an attractive proposition for an out-of-work manager like the Cowleys? Um, that is the other thing as well, isn't it, boys? I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're a manager now looking at Ipswich Town on the face of it, very much a sleeping giant in League One. Um, but looking a bit deeper, you might have reservations, wouldn't you, Hutchie? Um. Yeah, possibly. Possibly, you certainly look into it really thoroughly. Um, mm. But I think a lot of managers look at look at jobs and see where the floor is and where the ceiling is for a football club. And you would you would really hope at at this moment Ipswich Town are are at their floor, mm. um, which taking over a club with a at, was kind of at their floor, but has a has a ceiling to work into um, that that can be attractive because because clearly clearly Ipswich Town should be better than where they are at the moment hmm. and and that can be attractive to people that can that can be a challenge it can like I know we're obviously talking about nearing the end of Paul Lambert's time here but that's what he was talking about about I get getting this place going when it turns it will be brilliant and while he's not managed to do that it's still true um, yeah. I still think that is true um and I think managers I think managers of of a certain level would would look at this and would think yeah yeah there's that it's right this is a club that that while clearly not in a good way it's not financially broken it's not going into Bolton with points deductions it's going into a team that's not in a good place but you've got a chance to do something here and for that reason I think it would be really attractive to to people of a certain level Stu's right we're not no one should kid themselves this isn't a job that Eddie Howe is going to suddenly 
suddenly fancy. Um, however, for for the kind of managers we're talking about here, they will absolutely see it as a as a big job uh, and one that could really even like help them put themselves on the map at the the next stage of their football career. I think it's a really big one. That's part of the frustration, though, isn't it? Because Lambert had a lot of things right when he when he came in in terms of meeting with 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 fans and journalists and trying to get things turned around uh, and you know putting money behind the bar for beers, all that kind of stuff. I know he ended up getting called PR Paul as a result, but that was the right track. And he was, as you say, Hutchie, right to say when this does finally turn at Town, and we yeah. had hoped it, it had turned. This is still a massive club, um, and the potential for growth here and success is is huge still it just feels like it's cursed in a way um anyway i want to move away from lambert now with the last question of of uh mailbag well, mailbag light i suppose because i already know you've hinted you know the answer to this Hutchie. so i'm hoping it's a good one james smith says a non-lambert question why are we not playing with a yellow ball this winter i'm sure andy warren will know this and you say that you do know it Hutchie. i do I, I do know the answer to this question let's tackle the let's tackle the big questions first exactly here. Um, the, the yellow ball came to an end um, last season was the last season of, of yellow ball use between November November and March because the reason being I think the, the current ball has that much colour in it and isn't really white anyway um, that it became almost irrelevant it's a pretty bright ball um, same with the yellow one there wasn't an awful lot of yellow left on it by the time you'd accounted for kind of some colours on it and stuff but the days of I think it was like a good 20 years of, of yellow ball fun that we had between November and the start of March it's gone that's it white balls with whatever colours on it all the way from from now on it's a, how, a, a proper change how very very dull I'm still hoping that one day my idea for a flaming ball will catch on um, maybe a way of just ending a game and instead of having extra time just have a, a flaming ball that you play with, first team to score with said flaming ball, and what a goal it would be as well. Flaming goal wins the game. Um, I'm not sure we'll catch on. Boys, let's talk about Oxford now then. Um, and again, it feels a little bit predictable and, and depressing to be talking about this, but we have to because that's what we get paid for and that's what the pod's about. Town play tomorrow, Oxford, a, t- a side that are struggling, obviously very successful last season, but struggling this, this season. Can we go to Oxford, Stewie, with any sort of hope? In terms of the bigger picture, you, you, I think they can go there and win. I don't know if that, that changes the bigger picture at all. I feel like wheels are in motion and damage is done in, in that front. But Oxford have struggled uh, after losing in, in the playoff final. I think losing Rob Dickey, their, their captain and central defensive talisman, has hurt them. Um, it's another big player going, probably one too far after they lost... Um, Fosu Henry and Baptiste to Brentford in January. Um, I'm just looking at their... They lost their derby game to, to Swindon at the weekend, were in front, and then they conceded in the 85th and the 90th minute. Um, Carl Robinson said, we looked scared. We looked like we were playing with a little bit of fear. We're off it. Um, players are underperforming. Um, so the mood in Oxford is, is not great at the moment. So... Um, they could go there with the even with the injuries, which could go to to Oxford and win. I'm not sure if it if that would change too much, to be quite honest. Hachi, yeah, I think they've got Ipswich have still got the the same 
Ipswich have still got the same issues to overcome. In my, yeah. if if they're going to win, if they're going to win this game, they're still going to need to create more chances. They're still going to need to play at a better tempo. They're still going to need to get the ball into better areas, and they're still going to have to avoid conceding softer, the softer side of goals. But um, yeah, Stu's right. Oxford aren't Oxford aren't the team they were last season. There is maybe an opportunity here to win the game, but it's, it's certainly not going to suddenly put put smiles like massive smiles on on faces um even if they do go and win at oxford is it so it's there's 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 a lot of work that needs to be done what would you do with the, with the size to is there is there much you can do i mean obviously wedded to this formation and system and style of playing but is it time to shake that up a little bit bizarre as well that he said that he can't play with two up top um really odd comment again but what, I think what do you he backed himself into a corner with those comments massively in terms of saying why he didn't switch to two up front in the uh, whole game when he was chasing the game because we're useless with two up front. And it's like mm. Paul suddenly had this epiphany during the uh, the first COVID lockdown that, you know, that's it, I'm going back to 4-3-3 and that's, that's the way we're wedded to playing. Um, I don't know how much of that has been influenced by the owner. We know that Marcus Evans was around a lot during the summer and I believe he's, he, you know, we talked about this in the pre-season podcast that Marcus has uh, insisted that they play attractive football and they play a certain way. So some of this might be being decreed from above. Um, but you work with what you've got available. And at the moment, Ipswich, obviously Norwood's gone off at the weekend, but Ipswich have got strikers coming back to fitness and are very, very low on central midfielders. And I felt sorry for Liam Gibbs because, A, it's not that, you know, it should be a big, big day for a 17-year-old to make their debut for, for the club that they've been at since, since a young lad. He's a Suffolk boy as well, a Berry boy. And I felt like he was robbed of that sort of reaction from having a crowd in there. And I thought it's a... Whenever someone that young makes a step up to the first team, that it needs to be ideally with a, a settled, functional team around him. I thought he was on a little bit of a hiding to nothing there. And that's why, for me, I, I would be... I've got no problem with Ipswich having an identity and, and having a plan A that they want to stick to. But at the moment, when you've got 17-year-old Liam Gibbs playing in midfield and Caden Jackson sitting on the bench, that doesn't really, that doesn't really add up to me. Um, but I, I think it will be four three three again. Lambert's made it pretty clear that 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 that's the way it will be. Um, I do wonder, by the way, if Luke Wolfenden finished the game carrying a little bit of a knock. He um he wasn't moving particularly well second half. It looked to me like I don't know, might be a little thigh strain or something. He wasn't his sprints his sprinting uh, lost a bit of an edge to it, and he wasn't moving particularly well off the ball. So if that's another centre back down, then. Goodness knows what he's going to do at the back. I think that would be Chambers moving inside and Danassing at right back if that if that was the case. But um, as Andy said earlier, we're virtually down to bare bones and it's it's picking itself now. He might have to even put Dobra on the bench. No, 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 no. That's, no. A, that's a ridiculous idea. That'll never happen. Bag Elkin Baggett. Yes. The yeah. man who's bigger than the club. Get him on the bench. Dobra's a Dobra's a joke. Um, boys, I'd normally ask for a prediction, but it all feels a little bit pointless to ask for a prediction for for a game that just feels like it's neither here nor there. What happens? Draw. A draw. <laughs> what one-one? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. One-one, and then obviously Plymouth on Saturday, another another long trip. Um, 
I think we should have a little bit of light after all this shade. And there has been a lot of shade, so hopefully you're not feeling too sad about things, um, or at least not as sad as you were before we started listening to this. And Ross, that only means one thing. It means the strike. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Strike. Brought to you by the greatest quiz show host on planet Earth, producer Ross. Okay, the striker returns after a few weeks away. I had to, you know, rest up the, the questions and all that jazz. Um, it's not on a lighter note, though, because uh, we're going to be talking about former managers and when they were pretty much going to be getting sacked or going to resign. So uh, more thrilling stuff to talk about. So Salo to Paul Hurst, Mick McCarthy, Paul Jewell, Roy Keane, Jimmy Jill and Joe Rawl and George Burley again, because they're making a return. Hello. <laughs> Who, who's got the Mick McCarthy? Um, who can say Mick McCarthy? Who does Mick McCarthy? Yeah. Uh, only, only in the courtroom. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is um same format normally because I've still got a bit of the numbers game. Blast from good, the good. Is, um, all that good. Excellent. So um, but yeah, Paul Hurst first. Now, who scored an own goal in Hurst's last home game in charge of the Blues, which was a two-nil defeat against QPR? Was it Matthew Pennington, Dean Gherkin, or Toto Nciala? Sorry, what was the question? Who scored <laughs> an own goal in um, town, um, Paul Hurst's last home game in charge? Who scored a t- an own goal? Pennington, Nciala, and who? Dean Gherkin. Dean Gherkin. Um, let me go first because it's tradition. Uh, I can't remember, but I'll say Pennington. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dean Gherkin. Oh, oh, I, I thought it was Pennington, but I, I, I better go with that. <laughs> I, I think Andy's probably got it right. It is Dean Gherkin. He fumbled oh. the ball into, yeah, into the back. He just put, of didn't he? Just put, uh, yeah. he just, just pushed across into the goal, didn't he? <laughs> Basically, that's right. Mick Ma, who was the last player to be used by Mick in the Blues one 0 win over Barnsley? So a person he brought on basically mm-hmm. um, was it Ben Falami Stephen Gleeson or Tristan Nydam did, did this person come was this to replace Barry Cotter no there's another change there was another the change one. okay yeah. this is the most niche of questions <laughs> that's the strike <laughs> Ben, ben Falami uh, it, I've got no idea, but bringing on Stephen Gleeson, an uninspiring central midfielder, seems like the perfect way for Mick McCarthy to go out. So I'll um, go. Uh, I'll go Stephen Gleeson. And just to be contrary, I'm going to say Tristan Nydam. It was. I get up. Ben Flamy. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause while he actually loads the answer. <laughs> it was Re- Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Jewell, I wasn't like um, Sindre. I was very much Paul Jewell, get out, because I was not very much. I, he, he made me quit my season ticket, basically, back then. So yeah. um, I, 
him gone. But yeah, how many games did Paul Jewell go out without a win before he got sacked? So closest number to the correct one. So the the run leading up to him being sacked. Yeah. Halcyon, Halcyon days though, Stu. Do you remember that? That the uh, the going to watch the DVD. Happy happy times. <laughs> I do. I remember more the the press the previous game at Hull where he uh, talking of managers looking absolutely deflated and broken. He did his press conference after that, and the press conference had virtually finished. And I just had a gut feeling that I should ask him about his future. He was virtually up out of his seat, and I said, Paul almost apologetic sorry to ask you this but do you do you believe you can you can turn this around and he just sort of slumped forward and said i'm gonna have to go away and have a long think about that this weekend and it was like oh okay (laughs) and then uh, then he was back three three four days later after the derby game yeah yeah i remember that night well um i'm gonna say 12 games I don't think it was um, as many as that. I'm going to say I've got absolutely no recollection of this whatsoever, but I'm going to say five. I'll go in the middle. I'll say eight. It was ten. Three draws and seven defeats. So yeah. we, me and Stu share a point then, there? Point yes. apiece. Point apiece. What's the score, by the way? I've lost, I've lost track. So you've got one point, Andy's got one point, and Stu's got two. Stu is in the lead. Upset victory on the cards. Yeah. Still got a few questions. Roy Keane! (laughs) (laughs) You should present like roller discos with that kind of voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Who scored the last town goal under Roy Keane? This has actually been brought up in um, an old strike, but I thought I'd bring it back for the glory. (laughs) The classics. Um, but yeah, who scored the lazy? Uh, yeah, a little lazy, a little lazy. But um, yeah, in a one-one draw with Plymouth on New Year's Day, was it Jack Colback, Roy Fallon, or Darren O'D? <laughs> oh. Darren O'D. I like the way you said Roy Fallon as well, and I'm hoping that's the answer. Um, Colback. Um, I'll say Fallon. I don't know. I'll I'll say Fallon as well. It was, was it... Fallon. Yeah. Ah. Jim McGilton. Now, uh-huh. how many games did Jim win in his final 10 games in charge of town? Of course, uh, one of the wins was against you know, Norwich. The uh, last time. The last time town beat Norwich, of course. Yeah. Which, again, just seems incredibly fucking depressed. Um <laughs> Six. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll say five. I'll say four. It was actually only two. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, four defeats and four draws. So, yeah. Get get him out. Uh, Who got the point there? Me. Give me a point. So it's currently three, three, and yeah, Mark, you got one point. I'm out of it. I'm out of the running. Yeah. Now, turn, your ca- turn your camera off. You're done, son. <laughs> Final two questions. Joe Royal. Now, how many games did Town win during Joe Royal's last season in charge? Of course, Town finished fifth, 15th in the championship. How many games did Joe Royal actually win that season? I'll go first because I'm, I'm out of the running. So I'll say 
13. Uh, 15. Oh, I was going to say 15. To make this fun, I'm going to say 14. It's 14, dead on. Oh. <laughs> and that is fun. You are so fun. I'm <laughs> a fun guy. Oh, that, that crazy Stuart Watson. That's what everyone says about Stu. He's just oh, such so fun. Such good fun at parties. Well, so much Stuart, Stuart Did you know that Joe Royal's Ipswich won 14 <laughs> games? Final question. And it's yeah. on George Burley, of course. Now, of course. Against which team? Did George manage his last town game against? It was a 3 0 defeat. Was it against Grimsby Town, AFC Wimbledon, or Derby County? <laughs> what is, what's, is that a Derbyshire accent? That's, no, mate, I'm from Derby. That's definitely not a Derbyshire accent. Derby County. Um, I'm going to say Grimsby. It's Grimsby. It, it was Grimsby. AFC Wimbledon didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well, Wimbledon, Wimbledon. <laughs> but yeah, it's Grimsby. Yeah, it's Grimsby. So uh, Stu's one. Yeah, Stu's one. Fun, fun guy, Stu. Get that trophy on your little your little shelves behind you. That famously fun man, Stuart Watson, has, has taken the title, um, and which brings us to the end of the podcast, boys. And I'm pleased we ended on that because at least we had a bit of a laugh. As, uh, as only Ross can, can introduce, Roy Keane! Um, boys, have you got anything else to mention before we take our leave and start planning for I Oxford? Feel like, I feel like I don't want to take it back to where, where, where this pod was earlier, but you, you mentioned before about the sort of people asking, why aren't we asking more questions and stuff like that? Yeah. I have, uh, I've committed to print that I've called the, the manager both deluded and paranoid in print so far. And that's that's not an easy thing to do when you then have to speak to said person face to face. Um, I don't think, you know, we've pulled any punches in any of the, the, the print stuff. We produce more comment, analysis, verdicts, player ratings than any other media outlet out there. So I think if anyone's sort of calling us out for not being strong enough, I think, you know, we're, we're stronger than, than any other media outlet out there at the moment. Um, mm. It's not an easy thing to do. Um I don't know what questions people think aren't being asked. The, the Friday press conference, I everything I'd written in that that whole post-match assessment, I felt like it would have been been cowardly to to not then put. If I if I'm going to write something in a public domain, it's my duty to then to put it face to face to the manager. And everything I'd written, I put to him. We've we've talked to him about the form. We've talked to him about the treatment of the. The younger players have talked to him about formations. Have talked to him about you name it. He's been asked it. Brenner asked him, "Are you the man to turn this around? How do you feel about being under pressure?" He's been asked about absolutely everything. I don't know if there's a, people can say that questions haven't been asked aren't asked because they have. I get the impression though that sometimes, unless you were shouting an inch from Paul Lambert's face, when you're going to quit, you Scottish loser. Um, uh, you know that that. It's just unrealistic. That that kind of questioning has no place in sports journalism. It's not Jeremy Paxman quizzing Boris Johnson. We're talking about football here and, and a manager at Ipswich Town. You would never see that type of aggressive questioning in sports journalism because ultimately Paul Lambert isn't the elected leader of this country. He's he's a football manager. Um, so I, I, I get your frustration on, on that point, Stewie. And 
And I, I, I agree with you, obviously. Um, Hutchie, anything else? Anything else to add? <clears throat> I've got I've got no other business. No other business. Roscoe, have you anything else to add? Um, of course, we're playing Oxford this weekend, and um, yeah. last time Town played against Oxford, there was a rainstorm. Remember that, boys? Yeah, and it got abandoned. So yeah. hopefully the weather forecast isn't predicted for loads of rain because that was all fun and games getting absolutely soaked. That's before I had any waterproofs with me. So um, yeah, not very clever. I was really hoping you were going to say remember the soldiers then as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right then, boys. Well, that has been a lengthy podcast. I feel like we've covered quite a lot of the issues there. Hopefully uh, you listening at home feel like we've been as honest as possible and, uh, and hopefully the frustration and, and anger and, and just depressing nature of, of what's going on at the moment and what we feel has come across through through our discussions and there's a bit of there's a bit of light amongst all the shade in there as well town go to oxford tomorrow fingers crossed that they can get a result um follow us on itunes leave us a five-star review on there as well because that helps us greatly with the visibility in the charts the more five-star reviews and actual reviews we have the higher up the charts we we um we feature one day we'll displace the kings of leon as the top kings podcast that's the goal uh, and follow us across social media as well kings of anglia on youtube twitter facebook and instagram have a great start to the week hopefully you're not too depressed after listening to this um it's not like there's a global pandemic going on uh, and christmas is just around the corner so something to look forward to We'll see you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.